So I was able to take a step back and say, who do I want to be in my role with my team? What kind of leader? What kind of communication? What kind of openness do I want them to have with me? Because I could say, you know, if somebody comes to me with an issue, I could get angry. I could get upset. I could get pissed. I could slam a door. But I know that now when they call me, I'm like, all right, this happened. How do we fix it? And let's move forward. And let's fix, fix the process that'll know, so it'll never happen again. Let's have a full conversation. And that next step of having those authentic conversations with the people that you work with, as, as well as your clients, that allows that line of communication to be open between the two of you or the four of you or your team. Welcome, Trust Builders. I'm Sue Dyer, and this is Lead with Trust, where we explore how leaders can build their business on a foundation of trust and reap the rewards of becoming the top performer in their market. Leaders that understand how to use and leverage trust are uniquely positioned to disrupt their industry and dominate their market. Distrust of businesses and business leaders is at an all-time high. Trusted businesses must have trusted leaders, and your team, your customers, and your vendors are waiting for you to step up and elevate the level of trust in your business. My hope is that this podcast can help you start your trusted leader journey. Hey, Trust Builders. Welcome to this new episode. I am so excited to share with you uh, my interview with Megan Thompson. She is the Senior Vice President of Sladek Thompson Group, and they are wealth management advisors. And I think this is so important for really three different reasons. One is that for most of us, maybe we aren't always focused on building our wealth. So that's a good idea that we need to get some more information and understand what we might be able to do. But more importantly, on the trust pyramid, you know, we have different rungs. And at the top rung is trust in yourself. And the next rung is trust in interpersonal relationships. And Megan has built her business uh, based on those two rungs. The first one becoming her authentic herself. And she'll talk about her journey to becoming her authentic self and how that completely shifted her business. And the second rung, interpersonal relationships, is completely how she has grown her business. And she is one of the top wealth advisors in the country, uh, the United States here. And so I think there's a lot to be learned from her. And so I just can't wait to share this with you. So let's listen up. Also, if anybody is interested in contacting Megan, you can reach her at her email address at Megan, M-E-G-A-N, T-H-O at gmail.com. And we will have that in the show notes along with a link to her company's website. So thanks. Well, welcome to Lead with Trust, Megan Thompson. So happy to have you here with me. Thank you, Sue. I'm happy to be here too. 
So I've known Megan for, I don't know, three, four, five years now. And uh, she is one of my favorite people. Uh, And I especially wanted her to be on the podcast because I think she has so many insights and sits in a place and a perspective in the world where she really understands building wealth. And I see so many entrepreneurs and business people who make good money and don't build wealth. So I want to talk about that. But I also believe that she has become who she is because of the level of trust she's been able to create. I want to get some insights for all of us from that too. So it's always great to talk to you, but I have a, I have a, a weird question I ask everyone. And it's like, when you were in high school, what group did you hang out with? <laughs> oh, you know, what? it's funny. I actually love that question. Nobody has actually ever asked that to me, but I was a floater. I was never the popular person. I was never the smartest individual as far as book smarts is concerned, especially in high school. But I had friends in each one of those different pods. I was never an athlete. You know, I kind of circled around and I had a core group of girlfriends. But what I really enjoyed was getting to know people from different, I guess you could say, circles. And uh, growing up, um, I, I have a sister and she's a little bit older than I am, but she has a very different personality than I do. She's a little bit more reserved. Um, and so, as you know me, I'm not really reserved. <laughs> so my parents, they had a game that they played with us when we were in the car going to, you know, family outings or events with them or over to dinner at some of their friends' homes. And it was the who, what, when, where, and how game. And the reason that we play this is because my sister, she was a little bit more reserved, like I said, a little quiet. She's not shy, but she's the kind of person that kind of stands back and looks and, and reviews and views and assesses a uh, a room before she jumps in. And so that game was kind of a a, a guide and um, a guide to really show us and tell us how to have a fluid conversation even when we're not necessarily comfortable with those conversations. So, you know, who are you? Tell me about yourself. How did you get where you are? When did you become, or when did you move? Or when did you become a father or mother? When did you do X, Y, Z? And so that kind of fluid conversation or kind of linear path to a conversation allowed me to, you know, get to know people on a different level and feel comfortable with asking more questions. So to circle back, I just really have always loved getting to know many different kinds of people. And so I was never really in a group. You know, I I was a floater and that's what kept it interesting and it still does today. That's interesting because I always ask this question because I try to frame well tell us about yourself, your profession and and where you are in your in your profession. Yeah. So um I sold clothes <laughs> before I became a financial advisor. I worked at Cintas, which is a company out of Cincinnati. And I did that after college. Um, I was really out there selling uniforms to hotels and hospitals. And I was successful. I was young. I was having a great time. I was driving up and down the San Francisco coast 
wrestling in uniforms is what I like to say. And I really learned that I could do it and I could make it on my own. Um, but I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. And I had a, a passion for relationships and getting to know people. And because of my father, he was in the finance world as well. I had a background and understanding of what a financial advisor is and what they do. Um, and so I became a financial advisor when I was 26 years old, over, I'll just say over 15 years ago. <laughs> and when you're 26, Sue, nobody's going to give you their money. I mean, I was out there just hustling, hustling. Now, over 15 years later, I'm a senior vice president at Wealth Management at Merrill Lynch. I'm a partner in the Sladek Thompson Group. I have a team of phenomenal, phenomenal individuals that work alongside me and my partner, Sean, that uh, really help cultivate those relationships. Um, and so I have a really great fundamental bounding board with all of my teammates to make sure everybody's taken care of. But it's been a journey. It really has. It sounds to me too, like the uh, couple couple things I heard, uh, certainly your high school methodology of sort of floating around, I would call that networking in a business terms. <laughs> and and then your, your uh, the games that your family paid and your father's background in finance, you know, all of us have these pieces of the puzzle that sort of come together in a way that build who we are and end up, end up uh, informing what we do. And I think that's so interesting to see. So thanks for that. I know, congratulations, you are one of the Forbes top women's wealth advisors in the country. And uh, I know you've been able to create a lot of deals with people to take on like their whole family or their investing. And I know that takes a great deal of trust. Uh, So tell me about kind of what you've learned along the path, because I know you're one of the best in the world at this. So give us some advice. Well, I just, my, my palms just got sweaty because that's a big introduction, but it's a, it's a big responsibility too. So, you know, there's actually been several, I like to call them pivot points in my life. And they have allowed those pivot points, whether they're good ones or bad ones, you have to be able to learn the lessons from those points. And I've actually probably had a little bit more pivots than most (laughs) uh, throughout my life and throughout my career. But what I have realized is, you know, a lot of people, and I'll just be authentic here, a lot of people become financial advisors to make a lot of money. They do. You're not going to become a financial advisor because you just you know, want to be mediocre. And that's just the fact. And unfortunately, what I have found is a lot of people carry that mentality throughout their career. And I think that mentality holds you back. You know, the first couple of years, like I said, when I was 26, I was hustling. I was, you know, trying to be what the mold told me to look like and act like. And I was you know, cut my teeth. I was learning the ropes and that's kind of what you need to do the first several years. But when I, when I went through another pivotal moment in my life, I had a little bit of breathing time to take a step back and realize who do I want to be? Why am I not being as successful as I quote unquote 
think I should be at this point in, in my career? And what do I need to change? And so the thing that really resonated with me is, Megan, you can't live the rest of your life not being you. You cannot be somebody that you think you should be. You need to be authentic. You need to be yourself. And so I went back to those high school days. I want to ask you the who, what, when, where, how. I want to be part of your family. I want to guide you for years alongside your entire family. So I actually really stepped into, you know, just being real and being me probably around 20, 29, 30, 31, those ages um, or that time frame in my life. And when I really sat down at a table and started talking with my clients, just like I would talk to my friends or my peers, it really opened up a path of communication that wasn't there before. Because what I think I was doing at that point in time that was different was I was actually listening instead of trying to, quote unquote, sell. And when I turned on my authentic self, and I know that's such a big, huge, you know, hot word, buzzword these days. But when I was able to realize that, yeah, I'm a young female. I have crazy red curly hair. I'm not an industry standard. I don't know a ton about every single product or investment vehicle out there, but man, I'm going to learn. But when I turned on that authenticity of saying, you know, I'm going to be able to help you. And these are the reasons why, but also if I don't know the answer, I'm going to find out for you. And that is what really, in my opinion, changed my entire career and my view on my industry and my life. So that, that was a big pivot moment. Of you know, people are attracted. It's kind of funny. There's there's a saying: your clients are like you. And I know many different financial advisors, many different personalities, good, bad, all over the all over the world. There with the personality trait, and it's funny. You can spot a client, a client and their advisor. You know from a mile away whose client that is just because of their attitude and the way they walk and the way they hold themselves and the way they present themselves. And so I wanted to build a business that has, that is open, that has, that deals with complex situations, that deals with diverse individuals. Um, And so, and the beauty of it is I would, I have been able to build a business that's really structured that way too. That's so interesting. So many things you said, or you've got to unpack some of this. Uh, I love the idea that when you became your authentic self, which uh, I guess a lot of people would say, I don't know who that is even today, but, uh, you know, so I want to know a little bit about how did you discover your authentic self? Because that's a process in of itself, I'm sure, and a story. And then the other thing I loved it, you said something like the client matches the advisor. I I want to know more about that. So, so let's unpack a couple of those two things. So the, the, the process, I mean, I've always been an old soul, no matter what age I've always been an old soul. I've always wanted to be myself. I've always pushed the limits. I mean, I was always the person in college. I was a coxswain on the men's crew team at Ohio state. I was traveling around in 18 passenger vans with a bunch of smelly guys, right? I heard things. I rolled with it. I'm a type of person that rolls with the punches, has a lot of fun, is gregarious but I'll get the job done. 
and get serious when I need to. So I've always been that kind of personality anyway, but really stepping into my authentic self was there was a time frame in my life where I was acting and trying to fit into a box of kind of a one, one, um, how do I say this? of a mentality that wasn't true to me. I'm a very open person. I don't care if you, you know, doesn't, I'm very inclusive for people of color, LGBTQ individuals. I want, I understand that that is a part of everyone, but I also understand that it really has, you know, the dollars and cents are how I can help lift up and build an underserved sector of the market or segment of the market. So I have a real passion for education too. Even if you're not going to become my client, I always want a client or a prospect or somebody to walk away. Learning something, having something else that they to walk away with, whether it's a solid financial plan that they can implement somewhere else. Um, but I have a big passion for that. But that allows me an understanding how I can truly help and change individuals that might not have access to advice that is my passion project. And that allows me to be my authentic self. And yeah, you know, I'm not, you know, there's these movies, Wolf of Wall Street, there's all this crazy stuff out there and they're fun movies, but it's not reality. Not my reality, not my business's reality, thank God. But the authentic pivot point, it was a struggle. I really needed to grow to a place where I felt comfortable enough in my own skin And that took a lot of therapy, a lot of conversations with family, a lot of, hey, this is who I am. You might not agree or disagree, but I am going to go in this direction. You can follow me if you want, but if you're not, get out of my way. So Um, I I see a couple things with that. I just think it's so exciting that when I want people to just think about this for themselves. I see two things, you know, in trust, we have a trust pyramid. So it's trusting yourself. Trusting between interpersonal relationships, trusting a team, trusting an organization, trusting inner organization, and each one gets more complex. But it, it's like you went from trust, you learned to trust yourself, but you also answered and fi- found your why. Why yeah. are you doing it? And that allowed you, those two things merging allowed you to become authentic. And that's, I think that's true for all of us. Yeah. And so you're, I was talking to my husband last night just about this podcast, but I was obviously really excited to be on here with you. But to become a leader, you know, I've heard so many stories in corporate America about leaders that are volatile or angry or think that quote unquote bullying can get somebody motivated. And you and I both know that is just total BS. It is total BS. Those are not motivators at all. And so I'm a firm believer and I've had the, it's a kind of a privilege to be able to take a step back and look at your business and look at how you are managing individuals, managing clients, managing teams, et cetera. And that's a privilege, I think. So I was able to take a step back and say, who do I want to be in my role with my team? What kind of leader? What kind of communication, what kind of openness do I want them to have with me? Because I could say, you know, if somebody comes to me with an issue, 
I could get angry. I could get upset. I could get pissed. I could slam a door. But I know that now when they call me, I'm like, all right, this happened. How do we fix it? And let's move forward. And let's fix fix the process that'll know so it'll never happen again. Let's have a full conversation. And that next step of having those authentic conversations with the people that you work with, as as well as your clients, that allows that line of communication to be open between the two of you or the four of you or your team, right? And I think, you know, I want clients to come to me and talk to me about, hey, you know, something's happening with my child and they're not doing well. What do you, what do you think we should set up for them in the future? You know, they're, they're addicted to drugs or they're, they're doing well, you know, let's, let's support them even more or, hey, you know, my husband and I are having some issues. You know, I get into the nitty gritty and a lot of people call me first to talk about the what if, what if I do this? What if I do that? How do we plan for that? And I seriously feel in my heart that it is a privilege that clients decide to choose me to walk through life with them. That's pretty awesome. Hi, this is Sue. Sorry to interrupt the episode, but I'm so excited that my new book, The Trusted Leader, is about to launch. And if it's after February 1st, 2022, then it's already out there. And so I'm so excited because for years, I've been asked to help leaders to create a high trust environment. We have worked for 35 years to go in and help leaders uh, through intervening and facilitating the development of high trust teams and businesses. And now I'm teaching leaders how to do this for yourself. And trust is so important because it's really like having your foot on the gas of your business. And in so many businesses, people are working so hard, but their foot is on the brake as well. And so you expend a lot of time, energy, resources, and you just can't get where you should or could get. And so I hope you will go and get the book now and start your trusted leader journey. You can go to www.sudico.com slash book, and you can get the book there and you can pre-order the book there, or you can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or anywhere that you get your books. But I hope you'll go and get it and start reading it. I can't wait to get your feedback and to be on a trusted leader journey with you. Let's get back to the show. Authenticity seems to be the theme. And uh, years and years ago, I always said, you can't fake caring. People see through that, you know, (laughs) you you have have to care about people. You have to really, truly care about them. And and then they will open up and and you can listen and you'll you will you will know what needed to happen it won't be a mystery i think so many people that are out there trying to lead their business are doing it in a vacuum because and you talked about listening but people won't tell you things if they don't trust you it it is it is so true and you know i've mentored a lot of young financial advisors over the years and the one thing that i always tell them is to slow down and be present in a conversation. You know, look somebody in the eye. Don't breathe. 
you know, this is a fluid conversation and that art of conversationalism has kind of gone to the wayside because of technology a little bit. But, you know, you need to be able to read a room. You need to be able to have a conversation and be present. And of course, I have been accused of, you know, my mind's three steps ahead, but where are you right now? Of course, I've been accused of that before. But slowing down and really listening and then understanding your business enough to know what solutions that you can bring to the table, that is, in my opinion, that's kind of the nirvana, the epitome of being in your groove and in your flow. And I had a client the other day, he said he was, he owns his own business. I work with a lot of business owners and this, he happened to be in construction. And he said, you know what, Megan, I started working with you about five, six years ago. And I said, yeah, you did. You know, you came to me, you know, a lot of business owners do, you know, that their heads are down in their business, working their tail off, hustling, like hustling. And then they pop their head up around 50 and they're like, oh, so now what do I do? Like, what do I do with this? Right. And how do I, you know, translate this into wealth and generational wealth and structure it? So you have both things growing, your business and your wealth. And he said, you know, Meg, you're, yeah, I know you sometimes you didn't have the answer, but what you did say was, hey, I'm going to get back to you and I'm going to get you that answer. And he said, Megan, you were honest and you were real about knowing what you knew and what you didn't know. And, you know, I was thinking, I've contemplated on that a lot over the last couple of years since you said it. And, you know, Sue, I might not always be the smartest person in the room, but man, I have the cell phone number of the smartest people in the room to get that answer. And so I think it's important to know, you know, what you know, be be aggressively unapologetic about your knowledge. But when you don't know, you have to have a little bit of uh, a little bit of knowledge and kind of a way of saying, you know, I don't know. I'll, I'll get, I'll find out. I'll get it for you. To me, it's about uh, trusting yourself that you can get the answer yeah. and not about ego, but about yeah. being of service to the people that you're trying to serve. Yeah. Yeah. There's a quote. uh, I have a Peloton and I'm obsessed. Just probably like a lot of people that are listening. And one of the trainers for, I think his name's, oh God, of course I'm missing the name now, but she says, no ego amigo. Like (laughs) don't, don't take that somewhere else. Just stick your head down and keep going. And you know, one of the things that I think a lot of people forget, especially younger individuals and I'm not saying I'm not one of the younger individuals to older individuals, but I'm kind of there in the middle here. here. But, um, you know, what I did was I just kept repeating the steps over and over and over again. Keep doing the process. Keep doing the reaching out. Keep When you say you're going to call, call. Do the steps. Do them well and repeat them for years. And it works. So how do you determine what the steps are? That will work for you. You know, I had a phenomenal mentor. He's also my business partner now. He helped guide me, which helped me kind of understand the true fundamentals of a start to finish financial advising kind of stepping stones with clients. And a lot of times you don't have that outline. So I was really lucky. And he is like, all right, Megan, here's this. 
here's the stepping stones and here's kind of the frame and the skeleton of a conversation that I think that works for me. You take it, you mold it into what you want it to be. You craft your own conversation um, in a way that's authentic to you and allows you to be that trusted person for the clients across the table from you. And so I think having a mentor is very important, but I don't think mentors just like pop into your life. You have to go search for that person and you have to go out there and ask, say, hey, I like what you're doing. Can we sit down? Can we have a conversation? And by the way, I'm going to follow up with you every three months to circle back if you don't mind. Like you need to insert yourself into that person's life because man, a mentor, somebody that you look up to, they're busy too. So you need to take that ball and you need to make it work for you. That's really interesting. I love that idea of the stepping stones to really creating those trusted relationships that will then blossom into this long-term relationship. Because I heard you talk about that too. I'm of that mindset too. I want long-term ongoing relationships so that you can make a difference. Yeah. I think, you know, it's when I sit down with, you know, clients that I've never met before. um, And I start having a conversation. The last thing that I talk about is your money. You know, I, I, clients are looking for financial advisors, but I'm also trying to figure out if you're going to be a good fit for me and for my practice, you know, not, and some people might not fit in my business model or my practice and vice versa, right? I might not be a good fit for you, but I'm sure as heck going to find an advisor that will work better with you than maybe I would. Um, I don't like to let people kind of hang out there and float without a next step with somebody else or a next step with me. Um, And so, you know, my conversations with individuals are, you know, about their families, about their kids. I love learning about business owners. How did you even start this company? Let's, Let's talk about that because man, you're wildly successful. People, you know, let's be honest, too, people love to talk about themselves. And I love it too, because I want to, I, I pull that information out on a daily basis. And so getting all that information up front and really learning about, you know, partners, husbands, wives, goals, dreams, those are part of that skeleton kind of pathway and that guide of conversation that I need to learn about. You know, is, is there a child that needs you know, a little bit of assistance down the line, you know, let's figure out what that robust, comprehensive plan is. It's not about a portfolio. We're not only about a portfolio. It's about the guidance alongside and the different roadblocks or stumbling blocks that might come up that we actually have to look into. That's awesome. So I think, I think, uh, hopefully everyone's got the idea that Megan is not here about money. She's about helping you grow your wealth and your wealth isn't just about money. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, yeah. Wealth, wealth. So I actually gave a uh, presentation. Oh, I think this was about four years ago down in Silicon Valley at one of the large tech companies down there. And I was one of the last presenters to go. And, you know, it was on women, wealth, and wisdom. And unfortunately, 
women are not that well educated in investments, although we control about, I think it's 90 to 96% of the wealth. Okay. So, um, you know, a lot of these companies have me come out and just speak Finance 101. Let's talk about ESPP or RSUs or stock options. Let's really give you kind of the, the investing, and I'm air quoting here, investing for dummies in person. Let's talk about this. Let's have conversations. Let's get into a situation where you feel comfortable to raise your hand and ask a question. And I got on up, up on that stage and I said, you know, in my opinion, freedom is built by understanding your wealth and understanding what that wealth can do for you. It allows you to make authentic choices. It allows you to make unencumbered or uh, choices to, heaven forbid, leave a marriage, leave a career that you hate, make pivot in your life, and it allows you to make those choices uh, more freely. And so that's another passion. Let's see what this money can do for you so you can get to your personal why faster. I love it. I love it. Now, I know in your industry, it's highly regulated. Uh, so, you know, how do you find clients? And, and we talked about why they stay, but, you know, what maybe some of your steps. Tell us more about that, because I think there's so many business leaders out there who want to grow, but they don't really know what to do. And they're not even regulated. So, yeah. so you're, you're constrained. So tell us what you do within the, the constraints that you have. So um, earlier in my career, I was probably out on the town six of seven nights a week getting to know people. My business is all relationships and all referrals. So I was on the board of directors for the Art Institute in Cincinnati. I was on, you know, part of Cincinnati Sea Change, which is individuals under the age of 40 that were going to be emerging leaders in Cincinnati. I was part of Sue, you name it, I was part of it. Three years in, I was exhausted, just exhausted. And so I decided instead of the, you know, the spray approach or the wide net approach to narrow my focus a little bit more. And now I primarily work with high net worth individuals and business owners. And a lot of people are going to throw that out and say that, let's just be honest. Um, But I really love working in more complex situations with more complex wealth issues, estate planning, tax mitigation, you know, uh, more, uh, I would say, constructive planning or complicated planning, I would say. But once I started focusing on business owners and once I started really building a name for myself within my book of business, the referrals just started to come. I mean, I, the majority of my, I would say 100% of my business now is referral based. A client of mine loves what I'm doing. Hey, I have a buddy. I want him or her to meet with you. Um, They're awesome. Go meet with Megan, have a conversation. Um, And a lot of people, it's so funny. Some people come to me and say, well, I've never worked with an advisor. I don't know what you really do, but I need help in X, Y, Z. And that is the only way to start a conversation is to come in, kind of full open kimono. What can you do? I need help. And so the majority of my business is all referrals now. But when I was starting, I was out there trying to get 
in front of people. And that's really how I built it. I mean, it was a struggle. It was the first five years of this career for anyone is rough because you, you kind of kill what you eat and uh, or you eat what you kill. And it is, it's rough out there, especially for a young female. Um, you know, I was always saying, man, I can't wait till I have gray hair in classes. And so you're looking at me now, I have a little gray hair and I'm wearing glasses. <laughs> so it, 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 takes, it takes time. Yeah, but it, it everything to, everything you know, takes time. It seems to me, though, yeah. it's it's no different than any other business that, you know, you, you have to niche down so that you can penetrate yeah. and and um, become an expert in something where you can be of more value so that then people say, oh, you're you're real. You're the expert in this area or you you offer such a depth of knowledge in this area that um, you're, you're the person I need. Um, so it's, yeah. it sounds like it's basically uh what everyone needs to do. It's hard when you're first starting to decide where that is. It sort of has to find you, which is always hard in startups uh, of any sort, whether it's a career or a business, then you sort of figure out where do you fit? Well, on that, on that point, what I, how I usually say it is I think every family, individual, every business has to have their own personal board of directors. That's how I've kind of honed that. And if you think about it, you as an individual, once you get to a certain point or a business owner, once you get to a certain point, you can kind of take a step back and look down on your life and say, okay, wait, my wealth, I need to treat it like a business. This is serious money. What do I do with it? Who is my CPA? Who is my estate attorney? Who is my financial advisor? Who is my guide? Who is my, you know, how does this all work? And I like to say I'm kind of the quarterback of all of that. And so I think every family or every individual business owner, et cetera, needs their own board of directors. And so that's how I look at that. Yeah, I love that idea. I hope everyone will will listen to that because uh, I just see so many business owners uh, over my career that have made a lot of money and they have spent a lot of money without investing any money. And so to me, you have a business in order to grow your wealth, but I don't think a lot of people do that. Yeah, it's, un- it's, so it's funny. It's, uh, it's not about how much money you make at all. It's about how much you save and what you do with it. Yeah. I know we, right now we, um, for both all my th- three grandchildren, all grandsons, and on their birthdays, we put $500 into um, a fund. And uh, uh, an index fund, and on Christmas we put five hundred dollars in, and then every month we put a hundred dollars in for them. And we've probably been doing this, I don't know, three, four years, something like that. And it's up to like thirty thousand dollars for each of them. And we we tell yeah. them if you just leave that in there, and even if we don't add any more money, you know, you'll have a million dollars in like twenty years. So. Um, it just you've got to invest and you've got to put the money in and you've got to teach the kids too uh, as they're young because yeah. in an index fund they love looking at all of the different things they own oh we own coca-cola oh we own pepsi oh we own tesla oh we own you know all these different things and they they love feeling like they own the bit own these different businesses which i think is is yeah. so important one of the things i do know about financial advisors 
couple things is I don't think, I think they're not no longer on the list of people that are the most hated of all professions. Uh, I think, I think that's been taken over, but they're, they're always in the top 10. So uh, people are resistive and, and people are afraid to have a financial advisor. Probably some of it, they don't know what they do. And some of it is a control issue. So tell us a little bit about, about that. And, and how do you overcome this kind of resistance that people tend to have? And why do people need financial advisors? I would just, I just want so much from people work so hard for their money that have their money working for them is important too. Yeah, no, um, it's financial advisors and dentists, right? (laughs) Um, So I think that that stereotype is still 100% out there. Like, well, why would I hire you when I can do it on my own? And I think that is a valid question. And I think, you know, some clients don't need financial or some people don't need financial advisors, right? You're young, you're, you're still trying to build a little bit of your wealth, you're starting but when your wealth and when your life gets a little bit more complex and you need more robust advice, that's when you step into the financial advising world. But you're right. A lot of people don't know the depth and breadth of what a, a financial advisor can bring to the table. You don't even know that until you really sit down with somebody. I mean, I'm talking, you know, like I said, I kind of like the hub or the quarterback of the wheel. And there's all these different spokes that are out there that I can help clients with, whether it's, you know, lines of credit based on their assets, whether it's complex estate planning strategies that I can help guide them through. I think the best thing that I can bring to a client is my knowledge of what other people have done and how I've helped them save money, reduce taxes and reduce fees, you know, really more complex situations. And it's really about that trust aspect first. So a lot of people say, well, you know, how do I know what financial advisor to choose? Or how do I know what to even start with? And I always say, and it circles back to the, to the title of this podcast, Wealth is Built on Trust. If you're sitting down with somebody and you don't trust them, get up on that table and walk away. Because that means that you're not going to tell them everything and they're not, you don't trust anything that they're going to recommend. So you need to find a conversation, not a conversation, but a table where you really feel comfortable sitting across from that financial advisor. And then that allows them to really reveal what they can help you with. I mean, I what to be honest, I sat down with some clients and said, you know, I actually don't think I can help you. I think you're doing everything right. But I have other clients or prospects that come and sit down at the table with me and I say, have you thought about boom, 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 structuring your wealth in a different way, leveraging this pot of money to help grow your business in in a different way? Have you thought about gifting now versus after you pass and really being able to see the fruits of your labor through the next generation? You know, there's a lot of different ways that an advisor can help, but it's really just built on that trust and that first conversation. And I find that so, uh, I just want everyone to understand that that's so important. And uh, in the in the industry that you're in, it's an industry that is feared. It, yeah. it, it's feared for a couple of reasons. One is because people don't understand it. So there's fear around it. And then there's fear because, you know, it's my wealth and I may, it 
you lose control. Uh, and then there's so much uh, in the vernacular out there in the in the world about you know financial advisors who were not trustworthy. And so there's just levels and levels and levels of fear around this. So that's why I, th- I wanted to have you here today so that we could say, here's somebody who's working in an industry that is really mired in fear and is kicking it and building high trust, high performing relationships. Uh, so, so I just love that. So a question I have for you is if you could wave a magic wand that could increase the trust level in your industry, what would you do? Oh, do repeat that one more time. Yeah. If you could wave a magic wand that would change the trust level in your industry, what would you do? I would, this is also a passion project for me, maybe down the line as I continue to grow my business, but I would figure out how to encourage individuals to speak authentically about their wealth and ask questions to advisors. I would have more advisors, more open conversations, and allowing each of those individuals to walk away with something that they learned. I think that my industry, the majority of financial advisors are 65 years old and older. And a lot of people don't feel comfortable walking into the office or the offices and sitting across the table from somebody that doesn't look like them, or somebody that doesn't have the same experiences as them. And I want there to be more authenticity or more available options for individuals to really understand how to make their wealth work for them instead of the fear driving. I wish there was no fear behind talking about money. I mean, women specifically, we, I mean, Sue, you know it, we go to a party and the majority of the women are congregated in one corner. The majority of the men are congregated in the other. The guys are talking about a hot stock pick. The women are talking about something different. Not my circles, but some circles, right? And we as women, we need to have these conversations and not be shy about building our wealth. It's not no ego, amigo. It's not about your ego. It's not how much you have. It's how do we make our money work efficiently for us? And how do we grow it authentically? And how do we make those changes? And I wish that wand would allow those conversations to be more freely had. Well, I think that's uh, that's really interesting because you're probably right. What you think about, what you talk about is what you tend to manifest. And if we don't yeah. talk about it, we don't think about it, then we're not really creating it. And um, I think there's men too that don't talk about it either. Uh, we need to we need to have more conversation about and help each other build wealth. Yeah. Uh, of course, in a in a legal manner, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. I do think um, one of the reasons that I think that I have been as successful as I have been so far is there is it for me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. If you sit down across from the table, there's no air of ego. I'm just sitting there. I don't have a certain posture, and I feel like the wall comes down. And a lot of people, both men, women everyone feels really comfortable in a room with me asking questions and really authentically being there. 
And so not having that ego as an advisor is really, really important because you never know the struggles of the person across the table from you. You just have to be real about it. So, well, and I think it goes back to what we talked about at the top, which is authenticity and really caring. And you have, you have a definite why as well. So leave the listeners with one thing that you think that's concrete they could do today to elevate the level of trust with their clients. I would actually call your top five clients. Do not talk at all about your business, about anything. Just ask them how they're doing and get a checkup on them. See what they're doing for Thanksgiving. Ask them what they're doing for the holidays. And don't talk about business at all. Excellent. Excellent advice. Well, thank you so much, Megan, for being with being with me today and sharing your, your insights because, uh, you know, access to you, to all the different listeners is, is awesome because there's not that many women that are kicking it like you are in the financial world. And I really appreciate it. No, Sue, it's been a pleasure. It's been really fun. And, you know, I, anything that I can do to promote you because you are such a rock star, I am here for. So I'm excited about your book launch and uh, I'll be the first one in line to read it. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks so much for being here. We'll do it again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Hey, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Lead with Trust and that wherever you're listening to this podcast, you will subscribe And if you enjoyed this episode, send it to someone who you think can really use this message that you got today. And also, please leave us a review. You know, your honest review, wherever you listen to your podcasts, would be much appreciated. And of course, the more reviews we get, the better they are, the better for the podcast. I'm truly on a mission to get more and more people to understand that trust is the essential element. So I hope you'll be part of that. You know, this show really exists to help you leaders to build your business on a foundation of trust so that you can reap the rewards of becoming that top performer in your market. I see over and over where no one can possibly reach the levels of those people that understand how to build a high trust culture in their business. Now today, if you're really curious about starting your trusted leader journey, you can get started right away if you just take the free trusted leader profile and you can learn where you fall along the trusted leader continuum. And this really can unlock your confidence on where you are and what you need to do. It's very specific on what you can do gives you a snapshot of your leadership style. So if you want to take that, just go to www.sudico.com and then forward slash profile, and you will get immediate access to the trusted leader profile. Once again, that is www.sudico.com forward slash profile. All right, that's a wrap. I just can't wait to hang out with you again on our next episode.